This is Words Matter with Elise Jordan and Steve Schmidt. Welcome to Words Matter. I'm Elise Jordan along with Steve Schmidt. Our goal is to promote objective reality. As a wise man once said, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, not their own facts. Words have power and words have consequences. We originally had planned to do a election wrap-up in this space, but uh, because of the explosive news conference yesterday and the Wednesday afternoon massacre at the Department of Justice, we thought it would be a good idea to do a what just happened and what does it mean. And so, Steve, let's start with the explosive news conference. It was the most illiberal performance by an American president ever, ever. He laid out three premises. One, I'm not to be criticized. Criticism of me, by definition, is fake news, and people who purvey in fake news are enemies of the people. He declared that he is not to be investigated and not to be subject to oversight, and if he does, he will yield the United States Senate as a weapon of retribution to investigate for political purposes his opponents straight out of any sea-level banana republic. And the last thing he said is he's not to be challenged by a free media. Donald Trump came out and lied for an hour and a half. We saw him bullying. We saw his hostility to the concept of a free press, to the notion of accountability. And I think it's really important for Democrats to understand what is it that we saw. We need to recognize this. Though it is for bad purposes, Donald Trump is a communications genius. Absolutely. Without question. And what he did today, through the power of repetition, the power of repetitively lying, the ability to evade questions by answering whatever it is he chooses to answer, what Donald Trump did there today is stand and take command bring a fight deliberately and premeditatedly to the press to put himself in the position in front of his army of victims as a fellow victim, but tough enough to fight for them. He provoked fights. He took command of the room. He took control of the room, but he wasn't trying to persuade anyone of anything. He was transmitting. Everything that he said will be filled in pixelated, packaged, repackaged, and sent downstream in a billion-dollar propaganda industry through Fox News, through Sinclair, through Limbaugh, through Levin. The narrative that he constructed, though they lost the election, though government is now divided, Trump claimed victory, though in fact they lost. And so the ability to stand up and establish notionally that what is true is what I say is true. The assault on objective reality and the requirement to be in good standing in the conservative movement in the Republican Party is to be obedient. It was a fundamentally illiberal performance. He stood up there and he said, the divisions in the country are the fault of the media who criticize me. Criticism of me is, by definition, inappropriate. Criticism of me 
is why the country is divided. And the people who criticize me are enemies of the people. So profoundly authoritarian, there's not a word for it. He also said, I'll yield the United States Senate as a weapon. No president has ever talked about the upper chamber of a co-equal branch of government like this before, that it's his to use as a cudgel to investigate, like you would see in any banana republic or authoritarian state, your political opponents, if the Democratic House has the temerity to exercise its constitutional duty to check and balance and do oversight of the executive branch of the government. He said there will be retaliation for that, and he will shut down the government. The third thing he said is he's not to be investigated, and thus he fired Jeff Sessions, put a political lackey in his place, and moved the country closer to an hour of constitutional crisis within hours of the ending of the election. And let me just say this. Anybody who sits there and says, looking at what happened today, that we're about to enter into a period of cooperation and progress has their head so far up their ass that it's indescribable. No, we laugh, right. but it's absolutely it is, yeah. it dark is, laughter. Yes, it absolutely. is. It is. It is. What we saw today is the beginning of a fight that will go to the very core of the American system of government. And the last, well, yeah, and the last time we were here, Steve, was forty years ago, forty-five years ago, with Watergate. And at least you and I are both big fans of slow burn. Talk to us a little bit about what it's going to take, to Steve's point, this is the start, but to get those people, those Trump voters that you've talked to, those independent Trump voters, those rural Trump voters, to see the crisis that Steve's talking This isn't a partisan issue. This is an issue of the integrity of our country, the moral foundations of our union, of basic fairness, and of no one, no one being above the law. And that's the case that Democrats and independents who are uncomfortable with an authoritarian leader that we need to be making. And that's what I want to implore my fellow right-leaning libertarians and conservatives and people who might not see much of an ideological home on the left. But we have to look beyond mere policy. This is much bigger than policy right now. This is about who we are as a people, who we are as a nation going forward, and what our role is going to be in the world. Because quite frankly, this just isn't going to be sustainable if the United States is not the foremost champion of liberty and rule and law in the world. I don't see what we're offering. No, and, and to, at least to your point, Steve, take your analyst hat off for a minute and put your strategist hat on. What is the best way for the Democrats to go forward and meet that challenge or anybody who opposes Donald Trump to go forward and meet that challenge of the constitutional crisis that you're talking about, that Elise is talking about, and I think a lot of people in the country feel today? Nancy Pelosi is a historic figure. She's the highest ranking woman in American history, and the skills that are required to be a successful speaker of the House are not necessarily first and foremost communication skills. 
She is a person who knows how to wield political power. Nancy Pelosi as Speaker, something that Sam Rayburn can't say, something that John Boehner can't say, something that Newt Gingrich can't say. She's never lost a vote. She knows how to run a congressional majority. Absolutely. But you saw today a massive communications gap between the Trump machine and the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi said at the news conference, she said, well, I don't know if we're on the right side of history in an extemporaneous line. Let me tell you something to all my Democratic friends who are listening to this. You damn well better get your heads around the fact and the idea and have no equivocations around your faith in being on the right side of history. When you look at the staleness of the Democratic leadership, and I'm not talking about Nancy Pelosi. I'm talking about her lieutenant, 77, 78 years old. You look at the youth vote. You look at the age of the people that have been elected. You look at the talent and the diversity within the coalition. They better figure out someone fast to start getting out there before the presidential campaign goes into full bloom, who can make an argument, who can make a point, who can communicate clearly and decisively to the American people about what's at stake as the country slides closer and closer to a constitutional crisis. The idea that Donald Trump would stand up there today for an hour and so knowing that he would leave and immediately fire Jeff Sessions without taking a question on it. Refuse to take it. Just say is, in, about is, it. is inherently disturbing. The premeditation involved, the assault on the investigation in the hours after his false claim of victory, but for sure he feels emboldened. And Democrats are going to have to understand in the age we live in, where the country is in an information war, where our politics is being degraded by organized systemic attacks by bot networks, misinformation campaigns, some of them from foreign sources, the sundering of the American people, the speed of information and misinformation and how it moves and how it gets started and how it flows and how do you combat it. They need to figure out really fast how they're going to compete in the information war that they're in against Trump and a multi-billion dollar, sophisticated, interconnected, collaborating, multi-layer propaganda industry, the likes of which has never ever before been at the command and obedient to, faithful to, and service to every lie told by an American president. And let's make no mistake, Fox News was conceived by Rupert Murdoch, but Roger Ailes, who was under the firm belief, a Nixon guy, that if Richard Nixon had had something like that, he could have survived. And what do you think that is... is is that an apparatus? Is that multi-billion dollar infrastructure, that multi-billion dollar weapon that he wields so effectively, as you said? He's a communications genius. I don't like to attach genius to anything about him, but that's without question. Will that work this time? Well, you said we've never seen it. Will it work this time? Can it work? And what do you do to make sure it doesn't? Everything Donald Trump says should be taken seriously. Everything. He is 
the greatest demagogue in American history. Words matter. We saw that in the last couple of weeks of this campaign. People need to get their heads around the liberalism that was on full display in the open. American presidents don't get to tell a free press to sit down, to shut up, and when they get to ask a question. Free press gets to ask any question they want. It's inappropriate for a president to do what he did today. It's inappropriate, but it's also, at its core, illiberal. It is the work of an autocrat. American presidents are faithful to our core ideas and ideals and the idea that the press is the enemy of the people. The press is the first line of defense against tyranny and defense of liberty for the people. In a government of the people, by the people, for the people, the leader doesn't get to say who asks what question, who gets to have what opinion, who gets to have what view. He doesn't get to say that I'm above the law. He doesn't get to say that I'm on top of co-equal branches of government. And he doesn't get to say that I won't be looked at from an oversight perspective by a legislative branch fulfilling its constitutional responsibility. He doesn't get to say any of that, not in this country. Elise, as a libertarian, I'm sure your sensibilities were offended by the news conference and by everything else. Talk to us a little bit about how you view today through the lens that you bring to this. I find Donald Trump incredibly offensive just in his normal behavior and his lack of manners and just how trashy he behaves on you know a regular basis. And that, was like so, a, that was like a WWF. Uh, yeah, no, events. I mean I'm just Grabbing saying as like sometimes yeah. my husband says he's like just get over it. I'm from New Jersey, just get over it. Don't care care about manners so much, but you know it does. It gets under my skin. So separate of that, I am at the point where I do want journalists. Well, I think we need to take the threat seriously, and I understand the threat. I get the tension and how far it's been ratcheted up, and I am uncomfortable with it. But I think that the focus cannot be the threat that journalists are under. The focus has to be on the threat that Donald Trump poses to the American people, to the least vulnerable among us. I would rather than asking questions about the enemy of the people language, I would rather ask questions about the invaders, ask questions about the children, ask questions about those that Donald Trump has unfairly tarnished as the enemy for no reason other than by their lot in life and their poverty. I think we need to stay focused and journalists will be able to better fulfill their mission by making it less about them. No, and you're right. I mean, sorry. And another lesson from this news conference is the interrogatories matter. Questions of Donald Trump cannot be broad. They can't be ponderous. They can't be philosophical in their origin. Why is it that you think that there's been a rise in anti-Semitism? It needs to be surgical and precise. It needs to be, why is the Daily Stormer and David Duke celebrating when you say you're a nationalist? Why do they feel emboldened? And Donald Trump ran all over that field today, and the coverage of it will be Donald Trump lost his temper. Donald Trump transmitted a message of strength to his tribe, 
media played right into his hands today, 100%. And anybody who thinks, watching what they saw today, that it was the media who was in control of that room, as opposed to Donald Trump completely in control of that room, is as delusional as is the idea that there's an invading, disease-filled immigrant panzer division about to crash through the southern border and wreck the United States of America. It's a moment where we all have to check our own narcissism, and we can judge Donald Trump's narcissism, but I have to check my own, too. I know that might seem a little dark, but it's important for us to give an accurate assessment of what's going on in the world. And Steve, I know you're a big fan of Winston Churchill, as am I, and I know Elise is as well. And I guess if we were going to give a title to this episode, it would be called The Gathering Storm. And on that happy note, to be continued. Thank you for listening to Words Matter with Elise Jordan and Steve Schmidt. For more information on our show and hosts, visit wordsmattermedia.com. Please rate and review Words Matter on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers.